lots of great music to play for you, as well as some uh, an interview feature, something new and different. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. Support for KXCI is provided by Top Dead Center and The Hut, presenting Mike and Randy's 420 show on the outdoor stage at The Hut on 4th Avenue every Saturday at 420 p.m. Expect a wide variety of Grateful Dead, bluegrass, and folk music in a very relaxed setting. The Hut is at 305 North 4th Avenue. And support for KXCI is provided by the Wild Wild West Fest, a live music and arts festival April 25th through the 27th at Harmony and Health Ranch, 20 minutes west of Tucson, off Highway 86. Performers include Haymarket Squares, Stanley Jordan, Melvin Seals and JGB, Mystic Roots Band, 8 Minutes to Burn, and more. A full lineup and complete festival information is available at azwildwildwestfest.com. And Tucson Samaritans present Which Way Home at the Loft Cinema on Wednesday, April 9th. The Oscar-nominated documentary follows unaccompanied children from Mexico and Central America on their dangerous journey north to reunite with family in the United States. A panel discussion follows the screening. Tickets at loftcinema.com and tucsonsamaritans.org. A public service message from your member-supported community radio, KXCI. And don't forget to join Kathy Rivers weekdays at 3 p.m. for The Home Stretch, an exciting way to end the day. The Home Stretch offers rock, pop, roots, and core artists old and new, plus interviews, in-studio performances, and more. The Home Stretch with Kathy Rivers weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. on 91.3 FM. So, as I mentioned earlier, we've got a special feature for you tonight, an interview segment. I'm joined here in, a, in the studio by friend Jake. Say hello and introduce yourself. Uh, this is Jake Feinberg, uh, part of the Jake Feinberg Show, Jake Feinberg uh, Family Networks, and uh, Kevin, it's great to be here. Well, welcome to Dead Air. Uh, you brought something special specifically for Dead Air tonight. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you brought in? Well, yeah, no, and before I start, I just wanted to um, congratulate you and uh, and everybody involved with, uh, with Dead Air here. You've been running the show here since 2001, and there are... Uh, other cats like uh, Jim Blackwood, who now does uh, you know your morning brew, and uh, you guys have done a, a heck of a job uh, continuing to promote uh, the Grateful Dead, which uh, which is a band that uh, you know I, we know how special it is, uh, and it's not necessarily for everybody, but um, they were the truth, and I think that you know to come here tonight and be able to present uh, you know my findings uh, is it's pretty special. Yeah, Dead Air has, has been a long time, long time uh, supporter of, of keeping Grateful Dead music alive, as as well as jam bands of, of all sorts. Also, I just want to say thank you for. I mean, I'm 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 an obsessive uh, early '80s junkie. I mean, I literally I listened to <laughs> basically I listened to 1983 uh, Burlington 413, and you bring in. Uh, I mean, literally 413.83 Burlington. I listen to all the time, and you bring in 330.83 today. Warfield, I, I, I'm I'm just honored. You know, I like playing uh, anniversary shows, and and <laughs> you you were telling me you you've been really getting into the 83, so I figured that'd be that'd be perfect. Let's I never do got that out one. of it. Yeah, no. So I mean, the the I started my radio program on on, on a defunct AM station. Um, back uh, the day after uh, G- Gabriel Giffords was shot, actually. Oh wow, that's he, a significant date. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I didn't know how quite to start the show. I, I said, "Well, I'll just I'm going to start doing public policy things that I education, uh, immigration." But after a few months, it got it got real stale. And and I I, I said, you know, I need to seek something uh, that's going to enliven me, and uh, I can look back on whatever career I have and 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 be proud of it. And so I started to go after. I'd say jazzers, uh, African African uh, musicians, uh, all across the board, uh, guys that would play jazz. And what I was uh, going back to guys that were creating before I was born, and uh, which was 1978. And and so I, I I wanted to get a little more authenticity, and I realized that that within that there were these pockets of regional music within the country. At that time, regional radio was still very huge, like KXCI. I mean, you had, and as a result. Before interconnection, you had different sounds. Chicago had their own sound. New York had their own sound. Boston, Miami, there was different soul scenes. You had all this cross-pollination going on. One of these scenes was the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. and what I so I went after jazzers, guys like Calvin Keys and Michael Howell and 
they wound up playing in the Fillmore District with Merle Saunders. Okay, you know these six a.m. jam sessions, these organ trio sessions when the pimps would come down with their their women, and you know six a.m. Okay, but yet all of a sudden I said, okay, so the Merle was involved with the jazz crew, and then I, I get I, I start looking deeper into it, and I realize that Jerry actually played with these guys too quite a bit he played with vince garaldi a lot of people don't know that and uh and and so he was very active and so while the dead are known as a psychedelic rock band mainly because they played through the acid tests and because most of the, a lot of the audience was dosed as well it, it's a disservice to just say that they were a psychedelic rock group especially jerry's sound which is a, an amalgamation of all genres mm-hmm. so that's what i what i brought in was this this piece that i've I actually originally um, uh, pitched it to Gans, but uh, but he he didn't he, he didn't he 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 took it and then uh, somewhat disingenuously actually backed away from it. So to me, uh, a buddy of mine here in town, uh, Oliver Ray, looked at me. He goes, "Dude, go local, man. What do you go local? You know." And so it's it, it to me, I am so honored to be able to present this early incantation of Garcia, his bluegrass leanings. All right, because he was a Bill Monroe freak, and he drove across the country, and in fact, wanted even to be in Bill Monroe's band. Along the way, at this time, talking like 63, 64, uh, he met David Grisman, and um, I had an opportunity to interview uh, a drummer, George Marsh, uh, who's uh, David's drummer currently in, in uh, his sextet. He's got a few different bands, but he has a sextet, and George Marsh is his drummer. And I did a great interview with George, who's played with Denny Zeitlin, and who's played with Jerry Hahn, Brotherhood, Mike Finnegan. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. He's a stupendous player, but he, he, uh, he hit me to David. And so uh, I got in touch with uh, Craig Miller, a beautiful man, David's manager, and uh, on this AM station, uh, we sat down in October of 2012 and talked about a myriad of things. Uh, David, his, 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 his ventures into earth opera, I mean, we only covered about, I don't know, maybe 10 years. But after an hour or so, we were both marinating, and we were cooking, and uh, and we got into talking about Jerry. I didn't want to jump down, you know, who wanted, uh, 10 minutes into an interview, I mean, I wanted to vet David's life. Yeah, it's good to good to get them talking about everything they've done and and lead them let them lead the the way into what you want to hear. Thank you for reminding me why I did my radio show because it's beyond the music. I'm not a musician. I love the music, but it's the musicians. So I wanted to get to them. I really wanted to get to them and get them to talk about because it didn't happen in a vacuum. You know, and it it happened because of love, and it happened because of a lot of different stuff. And so my ability to get uh, David to talk, I mean, you you know, so, but about an hour, 15, hour 20 in, we got cooking and started to go with, and we take this chronologically here, Jerry's, his first love was was banjo, pedal steel, and and bluegrass music, and Bill Monroe, so that's... uh, uh, that's where Jerry Garcia started, and, and um, there's a lot of those influences in the Grateful Dead. But when he became part of the Grateful Dead, it, um, the bluegrass influences were, were a little bit more of a minor aspect of, of the music they made. So it was, it's interesting to to take a, a look at some of the the other projects that Jerry was involved in, and and look at some of his bluegrass roots. What yeah, what I was going to say is that uh, what's interesting is that. Uh, he, uh, D- David talks about, David Grisman talks about, um, I think that one of the, one of the in- most interesting things is that, you know, the, the idea that Jerry might have, he might have tried out for Bill Monroe and didn't make it. That's interesting. So, so you know, we'll, we'll hear. The world might have been very different if he had. <laughs> very. Well, shall we get into the, the interview segment? It sounds great. Let's do it. You are tuned in to Dead Air right here on 91.3 KXA Tucson. This is Real People, Real Radio. At the core, Jerry Garcia was a bluegrass picker. He was a legend of the California circuit back when Los Angeles was a hotbed of bluegrass activity in the mid-60s. It was an infatuation with the father of bluegrass, Bill Monroe, and the Ash Grove fiddler, Scotty Stoneman, that led to this new breed of players who burned. As the great violinist Richard Green told me, we bowed at the feet of Monroe. He was our Jesus Christ. By March of 1974, the Great American Music Band was gigging and having fun. 
Here is a clip of my interview with David Dog Grisman about the first time he met Garcia. We'll pick it up with Sweet Georgia Brown. I love it too. That was that. That's classic. Where do you think? Wow, you know that must be. Uh, I don't know who's. T- I I never heard that before. Yeah, good, good, good. This uh, is why we I'm, do the show. I know it's Bill Keith and Richard Green. Well, that was uh, Sweet Georgia Brown from uh, yeah. from a great American music band uh, session from I believe March of '74. Uh, Garcia's on banjo. No kidding. Garcia's on banjo. I can get, you know, yeah. that... Wow, I uh, thought it was Bill Keith for sure. No, and, and that, Richard... I thought it was great, but... It, no, it's incredible. And the, I love it. You guys are starting the noodle at the beginning, and Richard's like, let's just play it. <laughs> you guys just bust, burn it, and then... Um, Wait a minute. Really? Yeah, and then what he, What Richard told me in, in, in the interview I did with him, he goes, he thought that was Garcia's best banjo solo he'd ever heard, which is interesting because you didn't, you thought it was, key, you know, and that's the thing is like, that... that that was the best banjo solo that Bill Keith ever played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it had more spunk than nor- than he normally might have. Well, it makes sense. Because I just uh, did Richard did Richard have that? Uh, that was foisted on me by by Richard Green. Yes, so I have some more. It's not released, though, is it? No. 
Too much. No, too much. You know, and and if you would, David, uh, humor me and my generation into, uh, you know, all of us collected on Rounder Records, uh, you know, the the classic uh, Olden in the Way uh, album, and you know, Round Records. Ra- yeah, that's right. Thank you. I, I have a white label promo, and 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 all ready to start a label called Round Desk Records. And I'm looking, I just picked up an album today on, on Rounder Records, well, Willow Avenue in Massachusetts, David Grisman, Rounder Album. So okay, it, yeah, you just got that today? I just got it today with... Uh, well, I ought to feel that in about 20 years. <laughs> I don't have that queued up right now, but I wanted to ask you, how, how was it that Vassar, in Olden and the Way, how did Vassar come into the picture? Uh, well, Rich, you know, Richard Green was playing some gigs with us at the time right. and uh, we were going to do a tour on the east coast their first and what turned out to be our only tour and uh, Richard at the time was putting together a band of his own and he said he wouldn't have time to do that <laughs> we were, you know it was Jerry Garcia he had you know all these you know concert hall, you know, good venues you know good playing gig and so we're thinking, who can we get, you know? And Pete, I think he had Vassar's phone number. I don't think any of us had ever met Vassar Clemens. But we said, hey, and Jerry said, hey, call him up. <laughs> <laughs> Just hired the old boy. That's right, because Richard was going off on, uh, he was doing C-Train uh, kind of stuff, and, and then... This was after C-Train. This was at, so he was, so he, he was, and so Vassar comes in, you guys never met him, but... There was a just immediately it just kind of fell into place. What, what kind of what was what was the dynamic there? Because you and you and 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 Peter and and Jerry John Con, you guys had known each other. So what was that like? Well, you know, I uh, well John Con, you know, I, you know, we, we had just met John Con, and I knew Jerry for uh, since 1964. Pete had never met Jerry. I took him up there because. We all were living in Stinson Beach, California. Actually, I moved there first, and then Jerry bought a house there, and then Pete moved there. And I just said, hey, want to go up? Jerry loves to play bluegrass, you know. So we, you know, so, um, but, you know, when you learn a form like bluegrass and you've been properly educated in it and have an ability with it, you, you know, not that Oldman in the way was, you know, was a little different because, but it was something we were in control of, you know. We were in a good stage in all of our careers, and of course, Vassar was an, already a master. He had already made classic recordings of Bill Monroe and Jim, Jim and Jesse, you know. He was one of the architects of that music. But he, you know, music has got cumulative results. You know, it's something that you can actually put 50 years into and you'll get 50 years worth out of it or 30 years worth or 20 years worth. So at this point, you know, we were at about the, you know, I don't know, 12 year mark or something. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I like the way you look at it, though. You know, it was inspired. I mean, you know, they... You know, we put in a bunch of perspiration, and you know, if you've been in Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys for two years, and were the lead singer with Bill Monroe, I mean, you're gonna sound good, you know. With, I mean, we all, you know, we we just had a good, you know, vibe going. You know, we all kind of enjoyed doing what we were doing. The um, Jerry was real, you know. He's like an, a, a, a real positive type guy. Plus, he had <laughs> real work. I mean, <laughs> you know, we it was at a point where you know, 150 bucks for a gig was a lot of money. Absolutely. And you know, I was playing. I would go down and play. Uh, a night at Paul's Saloon for nineteen dollars with just some band down there. Just so you know, it wasn't unpleasant. You know, making some, you know, and also drawing a crowd. I mean, Garcia had this audience already, and 
I mean, that's really what it takes to have a band is a gig, and, and a good gig, and, and a good band. I mean, what more could you want? But we wanted more. Of course, you know I, I I often listen to some of the the you know there's someone was cogent enough and smart enough to tape some of these recordings at the Family Dog and the Boarding House and places like that and every everybody got a nickname from Garcia he gave you your nickname um, you know talk about going back to '64 uh, the first time you met Jerry and was and what how that how that happened what well, happened in the parking lot of. Uh Sunset Park, uh, where I, it was at a Bill Monroe show, and you know, I mean, the main thing was going to hear Bill Monroe, and and Jerry was on a kind of cross country pilgrimage that summer to uh, hear bluegrass bands, and I heard that he maybe he applied for the job with Bill Monroe and didn't get it, or at least wanted wanted to do that. Anyhow, we, you know, kind of connected and stayed in touch. And uh, the following summer was when I, you know, made that trip out to California for the first time. And uh, we, we had a mutual friend uh, named uh, Eric Thompson. And he came out in the winter of 64 and to New York, and we started playing together. He's a guitar player. And... Uh, in fact, we uh, went down to the Union Grove Fiddlers contest in in uh, April of '64 and won the band contest. Wow! And then the '65, I decided to visit Eric and Jerry and all the musicians out in, in kind of the Berkeley, California, Palo Alto, you know, the Bay Area. And that's a, a nice little feature from uh, David Grisman. So that, thank you for bringing that in. What did you learn? I learned that there's an awful lot of history there. I, I never knew that, that Jerry Garcia had applied to be part of Bill Monroe's band. I, I know bands, when they need new new players, they have auditions and tryouts. And I guess Jerry Garcia just... The other thing, it's funny, I was, I was listening back to a friend of mine, Bill Fry, his interview with uh, Sandy Rothman, who was also part of that acoustic scene in, in, in San Rafael, Palo Alto. And uh, actually, what he said was that uh, that summer, uh, he was also going across the country and wound up staying in the South. But uh, Jerry realized, it dawned on him that he actually had a, a baby at home. His daughter had been born, I think Heather was her name. And, and so I think he actually... Even if he wanted that gig, he had to go home and be a dad for a while. And that, that changes your life. The thing is that the, the and, I, and I thank you again for, this is just really the first, uh, first part uh, of his evolution because what comes next is, uh, you know, uh, his transitions with Merle, uh, you know, through the eyes of Merle's son, Tony, and um, Howard Wales uh, from The Matrix, uh, and then and then uh, Ed, Ed Newmeister from the band Reconstruction, and then finishing out with a, a guy that you mentioned, Melvin Seal. So, I mean, it's, it was a long, strange. It was a long, strange trip for Garcia. Uh, he's he's with me on this journey, and uh, and yeah, just you know, that was that was heady stuff. Well, thanks thanks for bringing that in. It was it was great to hear the hear the the thoughts and um, stories from David Grisman himself, and I, I hope to have you back uh, again in the the future to share more of this. Uh, I'd love this to. recording. I would love to. Thank you. So uh, yeah, the 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 track that that uh, you know the the drummer that uh, that uh, introduced me to David George Marsh sent me the uh, this track today, uh, Blue Yodel Number Nine. And we're gonna play here in just one second, right? And he uh, it was the last recording that Garcia made before he uh, before he died with David John Kahn and uh, and and Jerry. All right, so Blue Yodel Number Nine, right here on Dead Air ninety one point three KXAI Tucson, real people, real radio. Standing on the corner 
And I don't have to worry This is all you round us Leave my woman alone Take my special And run on you round us In each hand Get out of the way All you women and men Cause I'm looking for my man You are tuned in to Dead Air on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Real people, real radio. It's a minute and a half after 7 o'clock. And we just heard one of the final recordings that Jerry Garcia did before passing in 1995. That was a version of Blue Yodel Number no. 9, also sometimes known as Standing on the Corner. Support for KXCI is provided by Tucson Hullabaloo Community Festival in Armory Park on April 5th and 6th. Tucson Hullabaloo is a celebration of all things Tucson, affordable fun for families and funksters alike. Events include live music, giant puppets, a puppet show, a bike parade, costume contests, microbrews, local vendors, a huge kids area, circus performances, and more. Details and tickets can be found at TucsonHulla.com. Tucson Hullabaloo, April 5th and 6th in downtown's Armory Park, sponsored in part by KXCI. And join us for Anna Tashera in concert Tuesday, April 1st at Maker House. 283 North Stone, lead singer of Poe Girl, Anwa's new solo album combines a quirky take on roots and folk music with her Portuguese roots. This show is free for KXCI members, and we'll have a bunch of thank you gifts at the show so you can redeem your little orange cards. 
Non-members can buy tickets at the door for $5. Anna Teixeira, April 1st at Maker House, 7 p.m. show. Learn more on our events calendar at kxei.org. And the Body Love Conference is April 5th at the U of A Student Union. This event is an opportunity for women, those who identify as women, and their allies to come together and build community. There will be presentations and workshops on the history of the beauty myth, social concepts of aging, post-birth bodies, the beauty in disability, transgender body love, and more. Information is available at bodyloveconference.com. Public service message from your member-supported Community Radio KXCI. And The Kids Are All Right airs this Thursday at 10 p.m. The Kids Are All Right features a collective of teens and young adults, many from our summer classes, sharing their taste in music, old and new, across a variety of genres. The Kids Are All Right, this Thursday and every Thursday at 10 p.m., only on KXCI. So once again, I want to say thank you to Jake for coming down and sharing that, that special interview stuff and that very nice version of Blue Yodel Number 9. It was, it was a pleasure to be here, and uh, you know the interesting thing about that, that there's no real hard date on uh, when he... Uh, one that was performed sometime before, right before he passed away. George Marsh on drums, John Kahn on bass, and then uh, David Grisman on mandolin and, and Garcia on acoustic. And uh, that's an originally a ri- the original composition was done by uh, Louis Armstrong and Jimmy Rogers, which is phenomenal. Yeah, it's an it's an old song. Goes way way back. Yeah, wait, and I, I I know I've I've got some recordings of of Jerry and uh, some of his bluegrass incarnations going back to the the 60s where they have that song um, way back then. So it's it's great to to hear a version from so much later, and it still sounds so authentic, even even though Jerry sounds a little little old, a little rough and ragged on some of those vocals. But the the spirit and the soul is is still there. That, that was magic. Thank you. Well, thank you, my man, and uh, keep it happening. I'll be back soon. Yeah, so you're, you are tuned in to Dead Air right here on 91.3 KXI Tucson, and we're going to launch back into the music with some Olden in the Way. Line up with Jerry Garcia, John Kahn on bass, David Grisman on mandolin, Peter Rowan on guitar, Vassar Clements on fiddle. This is going back to a performance they did at Capitol Theater in Passaic, New Jersey. June 6th of 1973. You are tuned in to Dead Air. This is 91.3 KXA Tucson.
everybody's looking out for him Cause they're no red satisfied Little girls love to listen to him sing and tell sweet lies But when things get too confusing, honey We're better off in bed And I'll be searching all the joints in town for a Panama Red Panama some gospel tunes.
I tell you what I would do I'd quit my dealing And I'd work on a building I'm working on a building I'm working on a building I'm working on a building For my Lord, for my Lord It's a Holy Ghost building It's a Holy Ghost building It's a Holy Ghost building For my
Sing that. 